Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betch Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. We're back today, Wednesday, with maybe our biggest election debrief since the one we didn't really have after the Georgia runoffs. I was trying to think back to an election that I felt was like this high stakes, and that was the one I went back to. But uh, I don't think we really actually processed that one, did we? No, we did not. It was very... (laughs) You know, it was that was a very exciting one, too, because we were like, and the Senate, it is ours. Not only that, two Democratic senators from Georgia, of all places. And that was after Georgia gave uh, Joe Biden one of the, the major flips from that election that helped him, you know, have his unprecedentedly large, right, and legal victory in the White House. I don't know why I need to say that to note. so directly, but... And I like to note it gave us what I think is really our only sexy senator. (laughs) I just got to say. Sexy male senator. Sexy male senator, of course. We only have one real eye candy. I mean, I think Cory Booker is a good looking guy, too. Are there any others? I'm not missing anybody. I need to see a list, you know. Yeah, we need to see a list. Because I feel like there are more. Um, It's just, yeah. Kamala Harris was a sexy senator. She, that's true. That's true. Just you can't call her that if you're Barack Obama. <laughs> right. Right. But we can. <laughs> so we will touch in on these primaries. Last week, we touched on West Virginia and Nebraska and what they showed about Trump's influence on this election cycle. And today we're going to look at that theme as well as some other factors and what we might be able to learn about 2022 and 2024 after yesterday's outcome. I'm just going to start with with the good news. I barely needed a cup of coffee this morning because I got all of my dopamine from this. A spot on the wait list for DC's Republican orgies has opened up after Madison Cawthorn was defeated in his attempt to stay in Congress. According to Chuck Edwards, who is the guy that won the primary for North Carolina's 11th district, Cawthorn called him up to concede in a, quote, very classy and humble way. I don't even want to dream of what classy and humble is for Madison Cawthorn, but okay. Edwards was one of seven challengers, as we mentioned yesterday, in a a kind of coordinated GOP attempt to oust Cawthorn after his claims of drug-fueled orgies, insults to the Ukrainian government, multiple citations for driving with an expired license, and proclivity to bring weapons in places he shouldn't, like airports and school board meetings. Senator Tom Tillis, in particular, seemed to really hate Madison Cawthorn and Tillis seems to think that Madison Cawthorn represents something incredibly aberrant from the rest of the Republican Party. And I would I would encourage Tom Tillis to to open his eyes a little wider. But he did work really hard against Cawthorn, even pursuing an ethics investigation against him. As for Edwards. So Edwards says he's probably going to win this. I mean, I, I say a lot. I don't understand this district. And I finally looked into it this morning and. Asheville is like one of those extremely liberal cities, but in the middle of an area that like everything around it is is quite conservative and quite 
quite rural. So this guy's going to win. He describes himself as a Trump supporter. I could not find today what he has said about the 2020 election, because I feel like that needs to be the first thing we talk about with like any Republican who's running for the House. Edwards will now face Democratic nominee, a person named Jasmine Beach Ferreira. She's a county commissioner, minister and LGBTQ activist. But whoever wins, it will not be Madison Cawthorn unless he decides to crawl back and uh, and make another run for it. But he seems to have lost here because everybody was sick of him. Finally, everything seemed to line up against Madison Cawthorn. In a way, I just I wonder if I wonder why we haven't seen with similarly objectionable Republicans. He revealed the Coke orgies. You never <laughs> discuss the, the first rule of Coke orgies is that you never discuss the Coke orgies. That's that's the rule. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's done them knows this, you know. That is really when they activated and they really were like, no more, Madison, no more. I mean, honestly, none of this other behavior, I mean, <laughs> do they, none of this other behavior bothers them, even in the slightest. I mean, bringing guns where they don't belong, including Congress, like, that's just their jam. They love this stuff. Like, none of the other things that he did bothered them. It was the moment that he turned around and was like, I've been invited to some very disturbing parties. I mean, fun ones, but also kind of weird for all these lawmakers to do this stuff. And then they were like, that motherfucker needs to go down. And I was like, that, that's the thing. That's, that's the thing. Not, not the long list of assault allegations. No. Oh, those two. I forgot. Yeah. Those two. No, the assault allegations didn't matter. He, I think that he sort of like broke the cardinal rule of the Republican party, which is that you do not, admit to the hypocrisy like you can do it all you mm. want you just are not allowed to say it aloud. which he specifically did in the coke orgies things he was like oh i see the people that are responsible for drug policy you yes. know offering me key bumps so that's the part that they really were like no we can't do that we can't expose that part part of what is so audacious about the republican strategy is you will have mitch mcconnell go out there and say things that are so blindingly hypocritical, but he'll say them like with a total straight face. And Madison Cawthorn did not maybe have the appreciation for that, that level of irony. And um, he therefore, you know, and who knows what other threats he posed behind the scenes. Um, You know, Tom Tillis, the fact that Tom Tillis was so, upset about this makes me wonder what's Tom Tillis up to you know I know (laughs) it's like uh or Tom Tillis could just totally have like the moral high ground there and he knows that and he's just like embarrassed um yeah yeah I do wonder if it was a North Carolina thing too where it's like North Carolina really is so purple and I don't know. They've got a pretty good grip on with how it's gerrymandered and stuff. But like, I think that, I don't know, maybe they're sort of like, we really need to watch it here because we are like right about to tip. It's like into the Democrats' hands in this state. Right. Maybe it's the wrong state. Maybe they just didn't like him personally. Maybe they felt he was like a loose cannon within, you know, and... Yeah, um, I'm just happy that like hopefully this man will kind of disappear so happy. into like Michelle Bachman land, you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Irrelevant. I hope so. It's more likely that he ends up with his own reality show. I feel very certain that we're going to see Life with Madison or something like that. Um, no. <laughs> you know, some some show where where he's he's traveling around inappropriately bringing weapons into places where people should be at peace. 
I could see him cast on Southern Charm, frankly. He's always had that. He's always yes, carried that thousand vibe percent. for me. You know, can they sustain another Madison in the cast? I don't know. But, um, you know. That, if anything's going to keep him from that cast, it would probably just be that. Ugh. Good riddance, Madison. Good riddance. I hope he does. I mean, I he's one of these people where it's like we've talked about how like he does not have a profession. So I don't know what he is going to do if he cannot run for Congress. But Grift. I think we said maybe on Monday or yesterday, Grift. Yeah, well, he'll 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 like pick up some speaking fees, you know, somewhere. There are probably still some people that that like him. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Let's talk about Pennsylvania, which we spent a lot of time on yesterday and people are watching pretty closely. So as expected, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman did prevail over Connor Lamb and Malcolm Kenyatta. It was not close at all. John Fetterman, as of this morning, I think it's about 90, I think it's 90% of the vote in. He's ahead with 59% of the vote and Connor Lamb is at 26 and Malcolm Kenyatta is at about 10. So that's a really commanding lead. I'm going to say it. Fetterman would be a really hot senator. What? Just gonna just gonna throw it out there. You don't think so? Okay, am I the only no. person who thinks Sean Fetterman's really hot? Do you are we talking about the same person? Yeah. Okay, am I crazy? Okay, all right. Um, I guess I can see how he could you're not crazy. I guess I can see it. I guess I can see it. I don't know. I just No, okay. All right. Sorry I interrupted to reveal that. <laughs> No, because I feel like I've heard this from other people. Once I started watching more videos of him, I started to like see maybe what his appeal is. But um, I mean, he's the opposite. But of I wouldn't mind looking at him in all, in all ways. <laughs> but you he, love hoodies you know, and shorts. <laughs> he, I, yeah, I mean, they're just totally opposites. But like, he's just he'd be a really hot senator. Just going back to that. I could see him like, you know, go meeting up with you and Avi at a fish concert or something. Oh, that would be so fun. Fetterman is pursuing and has pursued an economic populist approach that he hopes will bring frustrated middle class workers and red areas onto his side for the general, which, as we said yesterday, means white people. He has a lot of cash on hand. He leans progressive, but has um, an interesting mix of policy positions that I think he hopes sets him up with success for those groups. He supports a $15 minimum wage. He's very pro-union. He's pro-legalization. I think he sells like a, a pro-weed shirt. But he, he criticized Philadelphia for briefly imposing their mass mandates. And he has also said that the Trump era Title 42 policy should remain. That is the policy that basically justifies not letting asylum seekers in. I think it's specifically asylum seekers, right? Yeah. 
Um, the Republicans will paint him and are already painting him as an extreme leftist. So I guess we'll see if, you know, those those two areas where he's not super leftist or where he can pick things up. Pennsylvania has had Democrats. They kind of go back and forth with governor. But my impression is that he would be the most progressive Democrat to become a senator of Pennsylvania. Yeah, I have to say that uh, I went and I did a little Wikipedia walk just before we get on on air to see if there's any other progressive senators in Pennsylvania's history. And interestingly enough, there's a lot of corrupt senators, but not a lot of <laughs> progressive ones. So interesting. Interesting. Pretty easily. Yeah. Um, in fact, they left like the the seat open for like you see multiple times where like the seat's just empty, and you're like, why is it empty? And then you go and you read, and it's like, oh, oh corruption. Okay. <laughs> They just didn't want to seat people. <laughs> that doesn't really bode well for for him, but he doesn't really strike me as um, as being particularly corrupt. I guess the question is, against his potential opponents, do we think he will win? Because it we're about to find out who they, they yeah, are. Yeah, I'm curious if you guys think um, it'll his his chances really depend on who he's running. Again, so let's. That is TBD. Former hedge fund manager Dave McCormick is neck and neck with Trumpador celebrity doctor Mehmet Oz, of course. They're both at around 31% of the vote. Kathy Barnett, who we talked all about yesterday, she isn't terribly far behind here. She's in third place, but if you look at what I'm looking at, she got more votes than Connor Lamb did. I, I don't right. know. Is that a thing? Should that bother us? That makes me feel itchy and weird. Um, that more competitive people. primaries tend to bring out voters and be very aggressive. The question of whether or not those same voters show up in the general is about whether or not the nominee excites them and how bitter the uh, primary process is, as we are well aware from a certain year that I'm not going to mention. <laughs> mention it all if mention i it all. if kathy barnett's name had been in the ring like four days earlier i actually think in the national ring in the way it is now i think she would have won i think it was really like a timing thing or she would be like second or neck and neck um this is a very interesting race and pennsylvania i think has become an increasingly interesting, like almost microcosm of the whole country because you have like these two almost coastal quote unquote cities, Pittsburgh and Philly in the East and West. And then you have the center, which is like, I think someone, maybe it was like James Carville or maybe I'm misquoting. This I said this yesterday. I referred to it as Alabama. <laughs> I, yeah. Or Mississippi or something. Yeah. yeah. I, did I, maybe I heard it from you. No, I think no, I, I heard it heard on a different earlier. podcast. Right. Okay. Oh, well, we're just all recycling. <laughs> the greater we? progressive yeah. cinematic universe. Yeah. yeah. I think I read it somewhere, but it's, yeah. So I think he, uh, yeah. Um, it's a very interesting, I think this is an incredibly I think interesting they call it the state race to watch. Yeah. The T. I heard Fetterman refer to the T as like a specific area that they're really going to be. They're really going to be fighting against. Yeah, I'm really curious who Kathy Barnett took votes from as she as she accelerated. My was... guess is, oh, I don't actually know now that I'm thinking about it because, like, I don't know the other people in the race. There were a lot of others weren't there. It is. Mid- 
midday on Wednesday and we still don't know who's who's going to pull ahead here. I don't know who who I think Fetterman has a better chance against. I think a Fetterman Dr. Oz mashup is really interesting. I also think that you could prettily easily paint Dr. Oz as his primary competitors as as kind of like a an elite liberal. Like he's a New York City heart surgeon. Like yeah. that's who I thought he, he like they could pay, which for them is a, is a, I guess for some of their voters is a bad thing. Right, right. I mean, thanks Oprah for introducing us to this fucking quack. Oh my god, so many she's responsible for. We got to have Oprah. Some conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Remember she gave that speech at the Oscars people were like she should run for office and everyone I was like no, like ever, as a Democrat, <laughs> I was like oh my god, what's wrong with you people? One speech. It's not the answer. Just imagine who she'd pick as VP. We thought Sarah Palin was bad. Yeah, I was wrong. I admit it. It's totally wrong um, because I'm I'm you know easily floor. I'm easily starstruck. But I think Fetterman would do better against um, Oz for partially the reason you said, but also I think that that would cause the race to gain national uh, recognition, which would ultimately favor Fetterman and then I also think favor the Democratic Party when I was just Googling him just now to look at his wife, whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the first thing that came up was did Democrat um, from Rolling Stone, did Democrats finally have their answer to Trumpism? John Fetterman is neither a centrist mm. nor a progressive. He's a vibe. And he just won a Senate oh, Democratic goodness. primary in a landslide. This is from 16 hours ago. This is on the first page of April. This makes it, he gives me a very strong Jesse Ventura energy and like that, that is chaos energy, which is fine. He, does you know, he give like, you chaos I just, energy? Interesting. I just, I find a lot of questions in like a guy who held a black person at gunpoint yeah. being the answer <laughs> to democratic woes, you know? And I, I have to sit here with a certain amount of skepticism. Not that, you know, it's something that's irreparable. He's the nominee. You support Democrats every time. This is not a question. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I do. There's this this thirst, man, this really deep. And I think kind of an addiction to like, can we win white supremacists over people who have this psychological, emotional lodestone of white supremacy in their their lives? And they're not like actively going out there and like getting guns and shooting black people. But they they don't mind. These things are not things that feel tragic to them. They do not get upset. They get frustrated yeah. when people keep pointing out that like racism's a thing. If you continue to reach out to these people, the the you don't turn them. You don't make them progressive. What you do is you tell them that their racism is acceptable. And eventually the people who pay for that are black people. You know? So I'm I, I'm kind of I'm you know Joe Biden was supposed to be the answer. He's also a guy who's born in Pennsylvania, hard scrabble, super empathetic, has all this personal tragedy, is able to tell the story, believes in you know poor people having money and not being thrown into a machine to you know to make soil and green or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Cool, but at the same time he also like repeatedly talks about how he was just so chummy with white supremacists. Like, oh, man, don't you remember the old days when I, like, gave Strom Thurmond's eulogy and we could all just get along? And I'm like, no, I don't remember those days. Those were not days for me where I could get along with people. So I, I'm i excited that there's somebody who can appeal to the Alabama that sits between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. 
it's good and we need to be able to reach voters. But I also have serious questions about this obsession with reaching mm-hmm. people who like, they don't actively want to kill me, but at this point it doesn't really matter to me. There's no difference between the people who do and don't. I'll say I'm one of those people who's just sort of like eternally hoping that like at some point the either like not the demographics, but like the opinions will, will change from those sort of like passive, you know, I don't want to say like ignorant, but like just less aware people about like how their sort of norms maybe are complicity without them realizing. Like, I feel like I sort of live in this like eternally optimistic space that like with just some, some of the right, like understanding that people can see like, and maybe I'm wrong or maybe I'm wrong about some people and I'm right about some people. I do think I'm wrong about some people. Like I think there are some people who cannot be changed, but I also do think that there are people who are. So, so when I see like, a did you watch the TikTok about the stages of moral development? I sent you. Yeah. <laughs> I did. It's making me think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm one of those people who thinks that like with more empathy or more exposure or more like knowledge of what other people go through that like you can build other people's empathy. I I don't know again, like, so I'm always sort of like looking for that candidate who can like inspire that in people. Maybe I'm naive. I probably am naive. <laughs> I mean, the thing about John Fairman is we, we talked a lot about that incident, I guess yesterday, just giving, giving the details and what's happened since. And, but like, I wonder if he is a good person. He also, like, has, I think he will have the support of, like, black voters. I mean, he, like, I think he has, like, all of the, like, like 10 victims of gun violence in his own town, like, tattooed on him. But this, so I feel like he, I don't know, I think he is a person that does have, like, a deep amount of empathy. But I, I don't know, that message is going to be hard when you look at the details of that story that I'm surprised didn't come up more in the primary. And I'm curious to see whether Oz or McCormick brings it up more even though their party has absolutely no business doing it but yeah. I haven't seen him address it in like a big interview yet and I feel like maybe that's what's coming and like yeah I mean Caitlin do you I mean we could I don't personally know the particulars of that story and you know that's my fault for coming into this podcast without no knowing no that. I'm, I'm yeah. checking it out with the the, the Google machine and, you know, the guy who he, he pulled the gun on says that he should still be a senator. So, you know, I, I'm not here to say don't vote for him because I already said that in the only time it mattered, which was the primary. That's when you get to make choices and people, I, I think that's when you get to like say like, okay, I want to be particular. I want to be choosy. Um, right. And I'm somebody yeah, yeah. who did not vote for, for president in the last primary. So I, I really exercised the right to be like, okay, I'm just going to vote for Democrat and none of these people appeal to me and I don't have to. I don't. I just know I need to show up in November for, for this and I'm going to vote on things that really matter to me. And that is what I did. And I am encouraging people to do that. But you got to vote in November and you got to vote for a Democrat. This is not up for grabs. At the same time, I think like, it's just, again, I'm not worried necessarily about this individual moment. I'm kind of worried about like, again, this obsession with like, we got to reach these people. And that to me is like a problem inside the party because it constantly diminishes 
It diminishes the, the actual base of the party, Black women, but it also diminishes a lot of the activist wing of the party. You know, we're spending a lot of time and energy on trying to activate people who, like, are very resistant to Democrats instead of, like, encouraging people who are already pretty solidly Democrats to get excited about Democrats. And that's, like, a strategic issue that the Democratic Party has, where it's like, we really wish we could have the coalition we had in 1964. And I'm like, you can't. It's been 60 years, like you gotta let go and we gotta try something new because if we don't do this, we are going to die. Not like kind of sort of like all the way they are running fascists. Like it's kind of disturbing that like Republicans in this particular case are crazy. They're all crazy. They're all terrible. They know not to run in the center anymore. I mean, like we just said, like Kathy Barnett got more votes than Connor Lamb and Connor Lamb was running like a center left barely campaign so like and john fetterman got you know nearly seven hundred thousand votes compared to his like three hundred thousand nobody's running nobody is having success running through the center right now so yeah they're the republicans get crazier and they get rewarded and democrats just obsessed with like trying to get their crazies to vote for i'm like no what about activating like we have this this choice situation, like we're, we're looking at a precipice, like activate the people who want to march in the streets and burn things down to move them towards voting. Yes, to move them to believe that they don't need to burn the things because things will change if they vote. If people think things won't change if they vote, it doesn't matter, then shit gets burned down. That's what happens next, logically. I have not heard a single candidate or platform that has been a centrist message that is articulated there isn't really no a platform it's not it's just anymore. like we gotta not be too there's right it's a it's basically like an emotional appeal is the only thing that exists in the center but it's empty because it doesn't really track with how the culture ex- exists right now yeah i definitely agree with that Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash fever dream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Unfortunately, where we do have a winner is in the Republican primary for governor. This guy, Doug Mastriano, is a far-right Republican state senator who we talked to about yesterday who marched on the Capitol on January 6th and denies the results of the 2020 election. I'm just going to read some quotes from his victory speech for you. God is good all the time. 
Any jab for job requirements are gone. Critical race theory is over. Only biological females can play on biological female teams. And you can only use bathrooms that your biological anatomy says. I was reading this morning that Republicans are apparently appalled and surprised at how this could have happened. The Republican Governors Association was like, cool, this is the outcome, but they have yet to promise financial support. I'm not sure how often they do that, if it's very consistent. Pennsylvania tends to swing back and forth with governors, uh, pretty consistently back and forth. And they currently have a Democrat, Tom Wolf. But the legislature is majority Republican, and they will likely move to restrict abortion rights when or if Roe falls, and the governor can play a role in that. The Pennsylvania governor also appoints the Secretary of State, whose office will oversee the 2024 election. Democratic Attorney General Josh Shapiro, he is going to run as the Democrat for the governorship, and if Mastriano wins, I mean, we're looking at, like, constitutional crisis, yeah, potentially? (laughs) Because he basically is like, Joe Biden didn't win, and any Democrat that wins is not legitimate. That's that's who you're looking at for Pennsylvania governor. This is one of those moments where I wish I could be like, this is the most important race possibly I know. that could ultimately decide the next four years of who the president is. But there's it's hard to communicate that to, you know, be like, this is the one because it could also be like a Georgia one or you don't really know. But it, this is such an important race. But I do think this guy is like... He, he feels very far afield for Pennsylvania to me. Currently, they have a Democratic governor, so I hope so. Like, I, I really do. But, um, you know, <laughs> the thing about Republicans being fascist is they have, like, an addiction to power, and they know exactly where it is. They know exactly where to yep. locate that power and how to use it to their advantage. They might not be able to do anything positive with it because, you know, they're fascists. But the point is that they know exactly where it is and they sniff it out and they just go directly for it. And Democrats need some, need to be really aggressive about this. You know, like Sammy said, like this is really important and it's important to highlight like this is where power is in your state. Wherever you are, you need to be paying attention to how <laughs> electoral votes are, electoral college votes are determined whether or not people think their opponents are legitimate. I had a, whether you I get abortion rights. You know, I, I read how democracies die last week and you know what? <laughs> I, <laughs> the paranoia, it's real now. <laughs> you know, like I always felt like a way, but like, I think we're in hospice a book about like, Hey, this is what happened when democracy died and all these other places. You're like, okay, well that's not good. You know? And, you start to feel like how fragile all these systems are once you start seeing somebody who's like willing to take a wrecking ball to all of it for the sake of, of winning. And it's like, okay, so this is bad and we need to be aggressive against these people. So, you know, just whatever it takes Democrats, but mobilize your voters in not just Pennsylvania, but in swing states everywhere, because we need to understand, like, we need to seize that power back. And the only way to do so in the system is via votes. Lest we burn things down. Let's not burn things. How, how do you feel about the rhetoric that it's very frustrating because you, you know, especially around this abortion conversation, you hear people being like, well, you have to vote. Well, it's like we did explaining to people why they're voting their supposed like triumph triumph you know in 2020 didn't actually accomplish anything is really frustrating and i just wonder if you think there's anything that we can do to simplify that or 
how to kind of like get around that. Bernie Sanders had a really good answer to this over the weekend. Okay. Well, I would say voting is necessary, not sufficient. Necessary. That's a great put that on billboard with Amanda. Yeah, it's like at your job, like you can like meet expectations at your job and it's like nobody's gonna like give you a raise or like give you a bunch of, you know, handouts and quotes, but like you can't do nothing, otherwise they'll fire you. Like you you just Bernie Sanders basically like on Meet the Press, Chuck Todd was like, How do you explain to people that like build back better, Joe Biden let it completely implode and everything. This is such a head scratcher to voters. And Bernie was just like it's not a head scratcher. There were two Democrats who misled us about their policy positions and have completely sabotaged Joe Biden's agenda. That is what happened. Like there are two sides. There is not one side. I, and then I just saw a lot of like people sharing like effective ways to counter that when people are like, it doesn't matter. They're all the same. And it's like, we're literally telling you that the, there was a guy we thought who was on our side who's actually on the other side. So we need one more. I don't know. Like it is actually kind of simple, but maybe I take that for granted because we're so involved in it. Well, I think between Caitlin's sufficient but not necessary but not sufficient answer and uh, Amanda's inside baseball answer, <laughs> you have like a pretty good reason that I feel like that question was answered very well. So, Caitlin I mean, I think one of the biggest problems that I have is that there's a way to punish people who leave the party line and Democrats have. And again, the obsession with like, okay, we want things to be bipartisan and we want things to like, we want to reach across the aisle, like gives cover to mansion and cinema for not participating yeah. in governance. And then it makes Dems look weak rather than making them look like defectors. They, they don't look like defectors. They're doing what Joe Biden tells them to do, which is reach out to the other side, maintain anti-majoritarian um, apparatus in the government, squelch the needs of the base. Like Joe doesn't, has not been very base centric. He has not no. been supporting and, and activating the people who are the most engaged in these, this party because it's a matter of our survival. So, you know, you can't really say that they're, they're defectors. They're not defectors, which is the bigger issue that we have, which is the reason why it's not compelling. Because people know that like, oh, they're supposed to be doing this thing with Republicans. It's like, well, and it's not working. That's the Democrats fault. The Democrats were the only people who promised that we were going to have we were going to have a comedy again. We were going to have community again. That things were going to work again. Republicans never promised that. They promised that they're going to kill everybody. That's always what they promised. We will destroy our opponents who are godless who don't like you, who want to destroy everything you love, who want to undermine everything that you dreamed of for your future, and who hate America. And this has been the line now for like 20 fucking years, and they're still doing this thing where it's like, I think if we get real nice, Republicans will work with us. I mean, there was a coup, like two weeks before you got inaugurated, dude. I don't... I think, I think right. time's passed. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like this speaks to like the voting as like sufficient but not necessary. It's just like all of these things make me, I just wish voting were mandatory. So like we didn't have to just convince people about how the complicated system was very strategically manipulated by the other side to make it very hard to actually get the things we want done. Australia but. has it, but you know, they also have some really fucked up politicians. So I don't want to say it's the answer. I know, I know. But yeah. 
always you know. vote just like drinking water if, if someone's like drinking water is healthier than drinking anything else and it's like this is true okay but if you just drink water and you don't eat food you're gonna die just to be clear <laughs> necessary but not sufficient yeah that's a perfect note to end on until the end of democracy i'm amanda duberman i'm sammy sage i'm caitlin bird and this is the better stuff podcast see you tomorrow bye the Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.